It's time once again for everyone's favorite 50 minutes of rugby talking. I don't know. Maybe maybe more, maybe less. We'll kind of see on that one. It's the Austin Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Zare. Back with me once again, three weeks in a row, Alex Kalpa. What's going on, man? Like- <laughs> hey, it's all good. Hey, Dustin, how are you? Thanks for having me back in. Always good to see you. Yeah, appreciate it. It's been, uh, I, I tell you what, another exciting couple of weeks of rugby um, here in Austin. We get a little bye week this week, so we get to break down a little something different this week, and we'll get into that in a minute. But, man, it's uh, the rugby season is slowly coming to an end. It is, we're, we're yeah. Not that far a, away. It's uh, getting to the business end of things now. International's <laughs> coming up, looking for playoffs and things like that. It's it's all getting very spicy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I like that. It is getting spicy, like a good curry, like some real good, like <laughs> good spice in there. Well, hey, obviously, you know, we are trying to do everything we can to cover all that goes on here in Austin around rugby, around uh, who's in the on the team, what's going on with the team. Uh, what happened in the past couple of weeks, what's going on in the future. This week, big, big episode because we are four on the trot, winners of four straight, which is, it's as big in the business end, as, as you said. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're, we'll talk about some, basically where we're at in terms of playoffs, what we need and what we don't need to happen, basically. But I really want to cover, you know, last week, you and I had the great opportunity to sit down with, Sam Harris for an hour and talked a little bit of everything. Got to see, you know, what, what his team's thinking about. And of course this was ahead of the San Diego match, which, you know, in our minds was a huge match. San Diego coming off a very, very hard loss to the Giltinis the week before, Uh, you know, you kind of saw San Diego team that's been improving game after game after game. And then, you know, we came in and we're sitting there talking to Sam going, you know, what's the mentality? What's going to happen? A couple of quick last minute changes, unfortunately, to the AGs, a couple injuries, one big injury that we'll talk about as well. But, you know, I think it's been I know, I know, I know the dark night. Uh, <laughs> so well so you know alex you know going into san diego where what were you thinking about about the ag team and where we were and, and kind of after that conversation with sam what what you thought your where the team was placed and kind of what the mentality was going into it so right, right all the way up till kickoff so i was uh and my opinion right from the start of the season from what i'd heard and what i'd read was that <clears throat> this is a very embryonic team this is people um obviously the you know <clears throat> a squad of players who'd been together for a couple of years um with an influx of new faces new characters new coaching team yeah. um so for me this season i always thought was going to be uh like a getting to know you figuring out how this is going to work how combinations are going to go um and i really wasn't expect i mean if you'd asked me at the end of last season how what did i want from this season i just said i don't honestly care about the results i want the team to get to know each other figure yeah. things out and um so to be in the position where we, you know still technically mathematically in the hunt for playoffs awesome unbelievable i would have bitten your hand off for that at the start of the season and going into this game i was pretty much quietly confident um after you know dealing with toronto quite handily um it was uh and seattle too and seattle um 
and I didn't want to, I was more concerned about how we were going to go on the road. It was like, you know, things looked great um, at Bold Stadium and I just wasn't sure how well the team would travel. Um, little things like, well, going up to Utah and I thought obviously the, the elevation and the, the lack of oxygen up there seemed to have a pretty detrimental effect on the team. So I was, I was, I was cautious because I was like, well, we're on the road and I don't know, but... I thought I, th- I think we're going to bitch slap this team quite quite honestly. <laughs> the way the way the pack have been playing, yeah. you know, I mean, there's one of the first things that we were taught um, in junior rugby was if you're if your pack are dominant, you will win the game. Yeah, that's how it works. And um, I haven't seen anyone be able to deal with our pack that. So the scrums have been a bit dodgy at times. Yeah. But uh, in in the loose and in the the, the rucks and the malls and in the lineouts. Forget about it. Unstoppable. No one's been touching us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I was yeah. confident, but I didn't know. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, we, we go into the match. It is so you may being a recent uh, Gilgroniak, uh, recent transplant uh, here to Austin. Austin has never won in San Diego going into the match. I, I, nobody really kind of talked about that. San Diego, Torero Stadium. So they finally have the opportunity. Thank goodness for San Diego to play at Torero, which is a great place to play. People really in, enjoy going to the matches there. The cohort was in full effect. If you were watching and listening, I guess, um, you know, uh, I, I was cautiously optimistic, kind of like you, <clears throat> but I had seen the way that they played against LA and I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be, well, it's going to be something, some, something's going to happen here. I, I, I was like, man, I, I don't know. I, I would honestly, I was a little bit worried to start off with and I'm like, okay, this is just going to be, uh, it's going to be a bruising game. And honestly, the first half was, it was electric. It was nonstop action. It was, I mean, you're talking, there were two, there were two breakaways. Connor Mooneyham had a breakaway, but was called back. And then, you know, for San Diego, uh, you know, they had, oh, I just forgot his name. It reminds me of my name. Um, Marani uh, took off and had a breakaway of about 80 meters, but was caught by Connor Mooneyham. <laughs> like, we're talking about he also had, also had to run yeah, around his opposite tackle. man who was trying to shield him. It yeah, was amazing. Exactly. So Connor tackled him. Uh, you know, so you're really overall, like, we started started off well. You know, we started off with the first try. It looked good. No, things were going well. And then, um, oh, no, wait. I had to break They scored first. They scored yeah, first. Yeah. I was like, I, was, I, I said that in my mind. And I'm like, that's not right. So, <laughs> so yeah. they, they scored first. We immediately hit back with, with Hugh Roach. Again, you know, I, I think you talk about forward play and stuff like, uh, I don't know, fabulous. I, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of our line out, you know, and, and the ability to go from line out to mall to driving mall for m- meters on meters on meters. Um, it was truly impressive to say, yep. to say the um, least. And it has been all season. It's orchestrated. It's balletic. You've got, you know, 260 pound guys leaping up like ballet stars catching. The, the, the really impressive thing is that if you're, if you're the attacking team, you have to throw your man up and bring him down safely and then set your more. If you're the defending team, all you have to do is defend. So you basically watch them, watch them come down and, and you should already be ready to defend. Yeah. But no, I mean, so I think, um, San Diego did pretty well. I think 
We kicked to the corner for attacking lineouts about seven or eight times in the game. Yeah. We only scored one driving try. Uh, like two were maybe you could say, okay, that was Austin's fault. And the rest were San Diego frantically, desperately trying to trying to um, bring a, a halt to proceedings. But um, I think Lockie's try also came from a line attacking lineout. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there were other opportunities as well. But yeah, it's um, speaking of um, Hugh Roach, I note... Uh, from the stats after the game, uh, that Pat O'Toole of Nola Gold was given the uh, the Hooker of the Week uh, award, and his stats aren't as impressive as Hugh Roach's were <laughs> um, from that game. So, come on, MLR, sort it out. Let's you know, let's have some. Well, I mean, again. it's uh, you know, I don't know who they picked it. I don't remember seeing who they picked as the team of the week, but I thought Austin going in having a dominating performance. You know, first half. 14 14 we're in the half and i'm going oh no like here here we go again this is going to be a nail biter you know we had a, you know, a great try by hugh um you know basically san diego only scored off of two breakaways we gave them 14 we, we, points yeah what the, we did yeah we gave them that first try when when marani broke away got tackled by connor mooneyham and then mm-hmm. Hassan was just there to pick it up. And we really didn't defend that ruck well because I think we were all running back. Like Frank Halai was there and a couple others, but I think they were spreading out. No one covered the point, basically. Yeah, um, well, um, Conor Mooneyham was the only guy capable of speeding back in time, uh, you know, having stopped, <laughs> turned around and head after them. So yeah, everyone right. else was still playing catch up. At an angle <laughs> yeah. against it. And so, you know, obviously we give them that try. And then, I, I mean, I think, you know, we, we score back. So it's 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, and then, you know, not you know, probably like five minutes later, uh, maybe, maybe 10 minutes later, but it, it wasn't too far gone from that, uh, that response that we had that, you know, basically Bassan intercepted what I think was probably, I think if Kurt Morath has a chance to go back and think about, do I make this long looping pass and skip to, um, I think he kind of goes, you know, I missed it. He kind of lofted it up there um, and just let it float out. And the is a speedster and no one was, no one was catching him on that one. Like, I'm, yeah, <laughs> it's, exactly. it's a pretty rough one. Yeah. So the, you know, the, um, People were talking up San Diego's back three. Cecil Africa is obviously uh, a legend and uh, amazing. In sevens. In sevens, but, you know, really the the purest form of the the running game. Yeah. If you're good at at sevens... you fall back in, uh, I think, I mean, I've been watching some of um, Africa's tries uh, this season as well. And yeah. he's pretty good at 15s as well, you yeah. know, so. Um, oh, yeah, he's not, he's, been, not, he's not terrible. I guess. <laughs> so, um, but it was, uh, you know, Basson scored two tries. Both came from Austin mistakes. We shut them down. We absolutely shut them yeah. down. Um, my, my, my recollection of the first watch through, I think I watched the game a couple of times just so my review would be kind of in place. Um, the first time I watched, I was just nervous. I was like, like you, I don't know how this is going to go. This right. is, are Austin mistakes going to cost them? Um, really, for, you know, not the first time this season. Um, but the second time I watched it, it's all Austin. Yeah. It's all Austin. We marched them into their corner in the, within the times. first two minutes. Multiple, with, you know, almost at will. And um, it was... Uh, uh, mostly goal line stands um, where they got the ball off us and managed to clear their lines or we scored. Yeah. Exactly. It's basically the story of the first half. Exactly. And I think at that first half you had, you know, a great run by Bryce Campbell who finally got his, that's his, that's Bryce's first try of the year. 
You're joking. <laughs> no, it's a Really? Person. Yeah, you'd think. Yep. Mr. Consistency. Bryce tends to have, uh, on average, uh, somewhere around 60 to 80 meters multiple like 20 something ruck arrivals you know 10 10 11 tackles like consistent all the time but that i think is what makes him such a linchpin in that back line um and it makes him obviously uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute but a usa eagle um and his quality of play uh, because it's not like he's has a standout game and then has a terrible game or uh, you know has multiple terrible games he's always consistent every single yeah. game you know what you're going to get from him and he delivers every single time and I can think of I can think of off the top of my head like at least four scores that he has made yeah. for other people. So you know, in terms of um, assists, I think we can call them. Yeah. He's probably going to be up there with uh, the you know the leading assist makers in the league. Yeah. But his first try of the season that, that blows my mind. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, uh, but hey, you no, know, it was good. I mean, it was a line break. I mean, he not only a line break, they tried to tackle him, and they just I don't know what happened. The ball spun out left. He got the ball, took off, got hit pretty early. Like I would say at the gain line, maybe a little bit past it, but then they just like, I don't know. They kind of, everybody backed off and that one tackler, you need to have more than one person tackling Bryce Campbell. And he broke away and just dove over the try line. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was the, the San Diego skipper, uh, whose name escapes me for now, um, just couldn't hold on to him and if you've got tree trunk legs like mr campbell has then you know yeah grabbing by the the ankle ain't gonna cut the mustard and yeah just charged over so um i'm happy for him yeah i can't quite get my head around the fact that was only his first try because he's been he's been so good all season that's quite remarkable I'm like, yeah, I'm like 99% sure that was his first try of the year. Like we were talking, cause we were talking about it on a different, different platform somewhere. Um, but mm. you know, then they came out in the second half, right? So we go into the, we go into the sheds, we sit down, <laughs> probably have a good talking to like, you know, tighten up those, those plays again. And honestly, the second half was 100% Austin on the front foot the entire time. Few cases. Did you ever see, you know, did you ever see San Diego really be threatening like to the point where you're like, Oh no, they're going to score now. And once or twice there were some missed kicks. Like Joe Peterson had a couple missed kicks, um, especially at the end of the first half, he missed a kick that would have put them ahead. But you know, there were, it, it was just all Austin. A couple, couple changes came through. Um, I, I only think the only time I can think where San Diego actually made a run was when Nate Osberger kind of picked up from nine and he kind of, let's say, Sorry, Connor. Uh, he, he kind of laid into Connor on a run and actually knocked Connor out of the match with, uh, with an HIA. Um, and so, which is unfortunate because that also cost Connor the ability to go play for the Eagles. Um, oh, that that is, was the reason why. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that he was taking off for a, a HIA. Yeah. After so, Con- that. so Connor, after, so after the play where Osberger broke free, Connor, uh, Connor got hit, got concussed, and for precautionary reasons, Connor can't fly international. You know, couldn't fly internationally. Um, right, so, uh, yeah. poor dude. Yeah, so because um, uh, I, I thought he would have started, and for the Eagles, I think he would have the way he's been playing. I think I think it would have been a clear clear shot for him. But but yeah, so that was the only attacking the attacking prowess i think that san diego actually talked. You know, I saw. I mean, you talked about Cecil Africa earlier. He's a great player. He only had four meters carrying this game. 
you know, about shutting somebody down. Like their total meters carried for them, um, 501. Of course, we only had we only had 474, but we were always in close position because of our kicking game, because of our territory. Um, speaking of kicking game, Lockie McCaffrey, two kicks, 80 meters. I think that's what the <laughs> number. That's, the, yeah, they, that's your number eight kicking for uh, double checking. It was 80 meters because 82 meters, Lockie McCaffrey. Congratulations. The MLR, <laughs> the, they memed that. I saw they, uh, they oh, those, tweeted yeah, a meme t- about t- that. That was today, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah was, very, very good. No, normal, the, the quintessential mold for packies. And then, uh, then, oh yeah, Lockie McCaffrey, two kicks. And then I had to add there was 80 meters in those two kicks. <laughs> if we were going to be awful, uh, one clearance kick of his didn't actually find touch and it fell into San Diego. Yeah, it was not that great. But I'm not going to say that to his face, quite frankly, because he uh, he attained some kind of godlike status in that game. He was huge. Yeah, he, he was really big for us. I mean, you talk about the number of tackles that he had. I mean, just his influence in the pack was definitely felt. Um, so obviously, you know, the starting lineup got changed around a little bit. Last minute, Michael DeWall came on for McLean Jones, and uh, we had... Uh, Kyle Breitenbach came on for Sebastian DeChavez from injury. Uh, Sebastian, I, I, I hear just a tweak and just kind of, if he's been kind of dealing with a couple, you know, nags and niggles the whole, uh, the whole week or whole season, not the whole season, but for the half, last half of the season. Uh, unfortunately, from what I've heard uh, from people is that McLean Jones is out for the rest of the season uh, with a training injury. Uh, ACL, I believe is... <laughs> ACL and MCL from what I understand. So it was a pretty, pretty nasty little, nasty little knock. Um, poor yeah, dude. Poor dude. Yeah, I mean, really I mean, a dominant force for us all season. He's been legend. Absolutely phenomenal. Amazing. And um, I don't know if he's my favorite player, but I think I, I think he is. <laughs> I think he might be. He's just been so good and he does all, he did so much of the dirty grunt work. I think yep. he was close to leading the league in dominant tackles. And yeah. um, uh, I like to think that I might have he's highlighted the, he's him. As a, he's just been amazing. And uh, I hope that it is, uh, I, so I, I'm not going to start saying that I had anywhere near the same injury, but I, when I ruptured my uh, ligaments in my knee um, playing, um, it was okay to start playing again afterwards. I know it's something that a lot of top sportsmen come back from. So yeah. we hope to see him back fit and firing and getting back, back to his devastating form yeah. as soon as possible. And I think that's been the, you know, it's a good thing. I know that Lockie was supposed to be here back in April. Uh, which would have been nice to uh, help a little bit further. But, you know, to have Lockie here, it's a, you know, you get somebody like Lockie McCaffrey who can replace McLean Jones. And then you move Michael DeWall to seven, you know, Domikina still stays at six or by, you know, whatever, which way you want to play. Uh, and then you have people like, you know, it's two different styles, it's different styles, um, you know, but I think Michael DeWall, as we talked about it before, one of those players who continues to, be like the si- one of the silent outstanding players. Like people don't give him enough recognition, but he does a lot of dirty work. Like he, you know, it's about ruck arrivals. Like I think he led the league until he got injured in ruck arrivals and minutes played because he just plays nonstop. Like he's a hard nosed player. Um, yeah, it, it, we'll miss McLean Jones uh, for sure. Um, I do know, you know, he, he, I think one thing that we're missing from those loose forwards is a poacher. And ever since Mo Abdominan got injured, 
a couple of weeks ago, you know, back in, you know, halfway through the season, we've been missing somebody to poach the ball. Like we have no like Ruxty, like we have like maybe four or five ruck steals uh and poaches like that's not a lot like we're, we're missing that somebody that can get in there be aggressive get low to the ground and take the ball basically proper fetcher yeah, yeah so right. uh, i'm not sure i like dom Aquino at six yeah. i think i like dom bailey at six yeah. um i think yeah, harder dom hitter. get harder hitter also shows up in the loose from six i yeah. think uh, Dom Aquino seems to get lost under the piles of bodies. I, I'm not faulting. I mean, yeah, he's doing all the stuff that you want your six to do. Um, but I would be more tempted to try Dom at seven just because he's got the speed. I think he could possibly adjust his game to be uh, something more like a fetcher. But um, you want Lockie at eight, really. So yeah, it's yeah. a question of who do you kind of try out at seven. But I'm not sure. I, I, I had another I, thought. But we can we'll, we'll, let's let's finish off the game. We'll come back to this because I've got a, I've want to thought about it and talk about this. Um, okay. Yeah. Rest of the game uh, again. We we talked about it. Outstanding play. I thought uh, Ruben De Haas had finally in, in his final game as in Austin Kilcrony, uh <laughs> finally had the game that we've been waiting for. Like we talked about it with Sam. Some people have been really disappointed with the way he's performed, and you know, right. I think rightfully so. Like there's been some. You know, he, he hadn't played a game since April, right? And so we talked about that too, or actually earlier than that because of Curry Cup. Um, so he's been trying to get into match fitness, which is taking, but I think this game, you know, he had, he was getting the ball out a whole lot quicker than he had in previous matches. He obviously, he had a blocked uh, box kick. He blocked a box kick and then was able to, uh, you know, really kind of, uh, open up the game with that block because we recovered pretty quickly. Um, and then Lockie McCaffrey offloaded to him and basically he took off for, you know, 15 meters or so, and they should have tackled him at, at the try line, but they just let him go again. So it's twice that we wriggled over. over. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, obviously to, to cap it off, you know, Lockie McCaffrey ended the end of the match again. And then with a try, you know, in 70, I think third minute, something like that. Um, we weren't great in our kicking, like our convert, our penalty conversions. And I think Mac Mason had a couple kicks at goal and just, a, just a little bit off. And I think it's actually probably due in fact that he hasn't been doing any of the kicking. Uh, Kurt Morath has been kicking. Um, great to see Will McGee come back on, uh, in the second half to finally get some time now that he's coming back from injury from hamstring. Um, so it's nice to have Will back there. I think, you know, I like Will at fullback. I think he's a great fullback because he's got a massive boot on him um, and really helps us clear territory. Uh, overall, you know, you look at the stats for the match. You know, we dominated possession. Uh, we dominated territory, 57% territory. Um, really, we held, I think, one of the biggest things, and it's kind of a telltale sign of how much we dominated the game. San Diego only had 39% gain line over. You're playing. They had played playing the entire match behind the gain line, and at <laughs> one point I thought they were going to have negative yards from attack because we pushed every the second half. Yeah, everything they pushed at us, we we just picked up and moved back like 15 yards. There was a line out. They all got shunted back about 10 yards at some point. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it was just uh, utter dominance. You could see that their hearts and wills were broken after about 65, 68 minutes. They didn't yeah, so. want any more part of that contest. They were sick to death of getting beaten up and knocked back. 
Um, and it, the, it, it was a point where Austin mistakes just seemed to give them the opportunity to unleash their defense yeah. on San Diego. It's like, oh, well, we don't have the ball anymore. Let's just beat them up instead. That'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> I think one of the things, too, is you look at the match itself as a whole, and we talk about it in the pack dominate performance. You look at who scored. Oh, we forgot one score in there. And that was the heads, we, was the, heads, the heads up play by WAPA. You know, you have a ruck on the try line, on the try line. And I don't, the, the camera position, I wish there was a better camera, camera angle to see what happened. But he literally dove over the top of the ruck and touched the ball to the try line itself. And, and people were, I heard people complaining about it. I was like, JP was right there, the, 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 the ref for the day. Like he was right there. Doyle was right there looking right at it. He's like, yep, try. (laughs) Absolutely. But it was was a brilliant play. Brilliant play. The whole thing was set up so well because you had the line out on the five meter line. Um, uh, It was an Austin line out and San Diego managed to steal it. And once the guy, San Diego player had the ball in his hands, Hugh Roach sprinted in, moving like a blur and smashed the guy back over into the the in goal area and then like you say the ball was just sat there with san diego going what do we do what do we do uh, and uh whopper leapt inches okay. off the floor <laughs> inches he, he leapt so many inches off the ground <laughs> two maybe three inches oh, Vertical. It, was, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Shades of Bo Jackson in his college days, uh, <laughs> leaping over uh, defensive lines. Uh, it was amazing. Ah, exactly. <laughs> well, hey, final score of the match. So bonus points for bonus points for tries. Three points for win. Keeps us in the playoff hunt. 33-14. We held them scoreless in the second half. And I think that was a big, that was big for us. I do. I think that was really big for us. Um, yeah. Solid play. And, puts us in a very interesting position now. Yeah, exactly. And especially with, um, well, so it's kind of a shame because obviously with the international players going off and obviously we'll move on to the international thing, but um, hopefully LA will be in the same boat because, uh, you know, this was the, the San Diego team that gave LA a hard time. Yeah. We wiped the floor with them. Yeah. I want to go to LA and smash them about. Yeah. I want to, I want, I want to make a statement, but I don't know how the team's going to, you know, um, if it was the team that played last week playing LA in two weeks, I would be very, very confident. Yeah, I'd be very confident about going in and teaching them a lesson. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? So here's where we're at, right? So in the Western Conference, LA, 55 points. They've played 13 matches. They're, They're, I mean, they're sitting in the driver's seat. I think they have to just score one point this week and... And they and basically they get they're out of they're the first team to clinch playoffs because the Eastern Conference is a very tight race. So we're sitting at 46 points. We've got 14 matches. The maximum number of points that we can get out of the rest of the matches is um, is it 56? I think it's 56. 56 or f- no, 54. I think is the max number that we can get because eight two matches left, four points per match, and so we can get 58 points basically um yeah no i I can't do math today (laughs) 54 points we're we're good because numbers because numbers man i don't like numbers um so we're on a bye week so la gets gets a match um i'd like to they play nola this weekend which is depending on nola's in the playoff hunt in the eastern conference if 
if Nola can beat LA, it puts pressure on LA to play their best players against Utah because that's going to be a very interesting match, right? So that mm-hmm. Sam talked about it, right? So we have we have a match coming up where LA and Utah still have to play each other. If LA still needs to clinch, um, they're going to play their best players against Utah. Now, like us, Utah has a handful. And what I mean a handful is Utah has five USA Eagles playing right now. So they've not only got Mikey Teo, they've got uh, Whippy. Cruz. They've got Mika, Mika Cruz, Josh Whippy, and uh, uh, oh, oh, just forgot his name. Tight head prop. Hang on, I've got the team sheet here. Let me just... Uh, tight head prop. Paul Mullen. Paul Mullen. Yeah, sorry. So they've got Paul Mullen, and then they've got Michael Basca. So that's mm-hmm. that's your that's your three, your nine, your your twelve or your you know your twelve slash thirteen, your your eleven slash fourteen, and your fullback and your captain. So if we can make it, if they make it close, and mm-hmm. LA need to play against Utah, that could be a pivotal game for us because if they can shut out shut Utah down and not let them get a point, and we can mm-hmm. win out, um, you know we still have two games left. There, you know, we've got Old Glory and we've got LA. And so if we can win that game against L go into that match against LA and beat LA, LA will then have to put up all of their, you know, put up all of their best because, you know, well, we, we want to play play the best <laughs> against, you know, against LA. They'll have to play the best against Utah so they can make sure that they solidify that home playoff spot. So ah, basically we have to win all of our games to get a bonus point in every game. That's that. That's the. That's our. We we hold we hold the key, and everybody else will just have to play as it is. I guess like you, Utah are going to want to win out as always. They've got they get a bye this week. Um, so Austin and Utah both have buys this week, but everybody else is is up and playing. And so there's two games left for Utah, two games left for Austin. Both of them are LA. Uh, I do not know who Utah plays in their other match, so I have to look that up. It's it's, yep, it's it's tense. It is tense. Um, I personally um, still almost don't really mind what happens this season. I'm already <laughs> hugely excited and hugely enthused by the development of this AG's team. Half of me has really already got an eye on next season. I think we should go to work next season. I think now the players gelled, combinations, key players are in place, performances we put in so far. Um, and uh, without wanting to put any pressure or expectation on anyone, I'm expecting to see some pennants up on the wall yeah. uh, in HQ over the next couple of years because, quite frankly, this is a team. There's oh, there's nothing stopping them from winning this. This you know, the finals yeah. at some point in the next couple of years. Nothing. Oh yeah, for sure. They look amazing at times. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think we you, have, you give Sam another year um, to really start molding the players. Getting, I mean. I'm, Players will play with more cohesion. Um, I know some of the players that a lot of the players we have are on multi-year contracts. Uh, They don't really announce that here. Like I know know, we have a lot of a lot of our guys are on. They'll be back next year. Um, As far as you know, some of those other players like Lockie. I don't know what kind of contract Lockie has. I'd be great to have Lockie back for a second seat, a full second season. Um, I think that'd be just phenomenal, you know, but you know, players like Isaac Ross, players like Jamie McIntosh, they're getting up there in their age. Um, and so will they continue to play? But again, you have people like 
Lerome White, uh, who's just waiting in the wings um, to play. So we'll see. I think, you know, overall, um, I, I'm excited for, for what the season, you know, what we're going to do in this season. I mean, we've already, we're already showing what can happen and what could happen for us. So I think that that's, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. Lots, lots of excitement. I think it's because you look at the team, you have uh, a lot, you know, a good mix. There's some local guys who are now getting a chance. Phil Hansen got in the game up in Seattle and you had Burnett Rams get in as well. I think there's some other guys, especially in the loose forwards, uh, Patrick Coleman, who plays here at the Huns. I know you haven't had a chance to get out and watch, but I think he shows a lot of potential. And I think as we, you know, we've got a, a collegiate draft. So somebody in college like a Connor Mooneyham or like a Cam Dodson who Cam had a fantastic game against San Diego very quietly had a, had a wonderful game I think that that's a uh, that's a big thing for for us to continue to bring in young talent and promising talent for us exactly and I think the University of Texas are uh, they've announced uh, some sort of uh, arrangement with uh, the Gilgronies as a yeah. I think you know being the, the the essentially the under 20s team which you know if you can get that ball rolling and st- start churning out your own homegrown produce uh, it just works so much um for the the squad sometimes if you just hire in mercenaries and bring in the big players you don't get that cohesive you don't get the the connection with the the local but if you know guys like chris osberg um you know playing for you know in the burnt orange that you grew up with uh uh, that means so much to you you know when you can feel the heart beating through the shirt for sure that's when you get team teams playing like teams yeah. and uh yeah no it's, it's all it's all set up and so much credit to the, the the management and the staff um everything they've done seems to have been um considered and well thought out and in the you know the, they're thinking long term always long term the best interests of the of the group and the team and like i say i mean i mean if we make the playoffs in the finals this year i will it will be amazing yeah. but on top of that, next season is just going to be incredible to to watch unfold. I yeah, think exactly. Well, let's let's move on. Let's move on to other exciting things. We've got a bye week, so and it's like other things to talk about. The other thing we get to talk about is internationals. You highlighted it a little bit earlier. Actually, I wanted to pause this real quick because I said something earlier and I said I'd come back to it because it wasn't really related right. to the conversation. So you said Domakina. At seven, mm-hmm. I say, what? What about testing Domikina at eleven? Do you know what? That would, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got, he's got, he's got to speed. <laughs> Just well, can you? I mean, yeah, and everything else on top of that as well. His his running ability is clearly outstanding. He's not. I mean, some a lot of back row forwards can generate a lot of straight line speed. Yeah. But he danced. Yeah, he danced around for his anyway, tries. So. I, I, I forgot about it right as we were about to talk about internationals, and I'm like, oh yeah, I wanted to say, Domakina. I mean, he's got the ability. You get the ball out to him at it. I mean, even at right now with Bryce Campbell going and playing, you know, uh, uh, playing for USA right now, we're we're missing a 12. So if you maybe move like. I don't know who you'd move to 12, but maybe somebody in the 12. I don't think it'd be Akina at 12, but I think, you know, you shift some people around, uh, you know, Zinni moves into a 12, 13, which is he's played before or Frank stays at 13 and he moves to 12 and you move Akina out to 11 or 14. Um, who knows? Anyway, just something to think about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yes, I'm not so, a coach, so it doesn't really matter. Would endorse Akina on the wing. Yeah. Um, let's be honest, you know, um, 
in terms of a crash ball center, yeah. uh, you could probably put, play him at 12 and just give him that limited role and just say, look, straight, run. hard, fast, yeah. knock yourself <laughs> run out. People, so. Run people over. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, we talk about like a hard runner out at 11 and 14. I think also you know, we haven't seen a lot from Roderick Waters in the past couple of weeks and we're missing mm-hmm. him, who's just a serious hard ball runner. Um, I'd like to see him get, get on the pitch again um, before the end of the season. Cause I do think he's got a lot of potential. And again, two guys, former football players who are now coming back in or come into to rugby, you know, a couple years under their belts, you give them two or three more years and they're going to be outstanding players. Yes. And David still as well. Uh, let me just mention this guy is, I am so intrigued by him. He looks to be the best athlete on the team by some distance at the moment. And I haven't seen him within any space. I've seen him gathering game time slowly. If he can, if he can get his confidence up and think, right, okay, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Here we go. Wow. That guy's going to be a handful yeah and again this is like his first year ever playing rugby he played up in colorado with the xo experiment that they're doing up there and shoot who knows i don't know we'll see all right so with that being said the reason is we've got a bye week and uh, we're going to talk about this and two we've got five players on international duty that's pretty phenomenal to think about um you look at uh, you know who we have and some players who could have been there, like Zinni, and got hurt. Will McGee, who was injured, uh, who's usually, uh, you know, a USA Eagle and playing in each one of the matches, uh, who probably, really for for all intended purpose, if he was well, and AJ McGinty, when obviously with AJ McGinty getting injured, uh, I think that Will McGee probably would have slotted into that starting ten spot. And so we would have had six playing, but uh, running through, um, obviously we got playing for the Eagles this weekend and actually starting for the Eagles. You've got Ruben DeHaas at nine and obviously came, came over to us. You know, this is his last game. He will stay in England, uh, by the way, England, USA on the 4th of July in England, which will be very fascinating to see what happens. Could be fireworks, could be fireworks or could be a, the USA hasn't played a match in over a year, a year and a half, I think is what it is now. Uh, so it's been been quite some time. Uh, and then Bryce Campbell, uh, he's our captain. He is now the USA team captain with AJ McGinty out. Uh, congrats, I mean, really congrats to Bryce. Uh, Well-deserved. Um, it'll be yeah, good to see him get out there and get on the pitch. Um, unfortunately for the Eagles, uh, Connor Mooneyham did not make it out because of the concussion. Um, I had a quick chat with him. Obviously, he's pretty gutted, but, you know, he's got a long time ahead of him. Like he's going to be, he'll be just fine. I think he'll, he'll see the red, white, and blue within the next six months, I think in the next probably test series after the end of this, maybe some fall fall test series. Oh yeah. He's um, got world cups to look forward to and everything. Yeah, exactly. so he'll be, he'll be all right. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, like I said, no will uh, because of injury. So that that's, that's unfortunate. And it's, you know, this weekend it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they play. Uh, another, uh, USA Eagle, who's actually over in England with them, but did not get to call up for the England match, was you know Ryan Reese, and we talked to Alex a couple of weeks ago about his brother and being you know selected to the to the Eagles. Like as a, a heck of a, it's a heck of an honor, especially for somebody from Austin, Texas, who grew up here playing, you know, through the Huns youth system, you know, went on to you know to life and did just a fantastic job. Now playing with Rugby ATL, gets the call up. You know, there were there were quite a few. I think 10 uncapped Eagles that were selected this year and a vast majority of the USA Eagles this year are all from MLR. So you have, you know, six or seven guys who aren't 
total throughout the entire 23 man or the 30 man traveling roster. So that's a pretty, it's a big thing. It's the biggest, it's the biggest number we've had in, I think our squad selection since the MLR's inception. So that's a, I'd like to see that it's more and more MLR players getting used to, to getting out there and getting, getting game time on, on the stage leading up to the next world cups. So, uh, so that's USA. Also, we have two Canadians playing and two Canadians actually starting against your, your, your original homeland uh, <laughs> in, in the Welsh. And I saw you wearing your red, your bright red a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you've got Regan O'Gorman starting again, starting with an ex Austin player and Josh Larson in the second row for Canada. And then Cole Davis gets a start out on the wing for Canada um, playing against Wales. Like that's a, it's two big things for them. It's kind of exciting. It's just, uh, I think this is, I want to say they play on the third against Wales. USA plays on the fourth against England. Uh, Canada plays against Wales on the third. And then Canada plays England on the 10th as well. Right. Yeah. And uh, should, as the MLR grows, obviously with COVID, it's kind of had a bit of a, a stuttering um, start. But as it grows, I think you're going to, um, of course, there'll always, you know, the, the the exceptional players will probably go to play in France, where the billionaires just throw money at players. <laughs> and quite, I'm quite right too. It's a short career; it could be over in the next game. Go and make your fortune while you can. But I think we'll see the MLR, um, the, the the you know Team USA is going to be so much stronger from having the, the 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 players in America given the chance to show what they can do to play together with the other top American players yeah. and the familiarity with the the, the regular competition uh, with and against each other is going to make that team USA so much more of a force yeah um uh, the, the the next step is going to be the 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 Americas uh, competition which I'm not entirely sure the format or how that works out but when you get to lock horns with Argentina and um it's, and Canada on a regular basis yeah I think so you Get Argentina, uh, some it's Brazil, Argentina. It's Argentina fifteen. So it's not the Pumas. It's their right, the B team sort of thing. Yeah, it's their second grade team, but still, Serena. Uh, not still, to be taken lightly. Not to be taken lightly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have Canada, and you have Uruguay, who again, not to be taken lightly as well. Um, okay. So okay. again, have I you ever seen the Brazilian scrum go to work? Yeah. Yeah, we the, Brazil played the, against the USA here two years ago um, at Del Diamond, and uh, they're a they're a powerhouse. And, yeah, uh, we had their scrum don't play. No, <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, the Georgian scrum, like yeah, with the Kitiashvili's and and whatnot over there. So, and then you know, so yeah, you've got Canada, USA, and then of course Marcelo Torrealba, uh, who again he's been down with the Chilean national rugby team. They actually started ahead there for the world cup qualifiers. So they started a couple of weeks before. So that's why he's been gone from the lineup for the past, I guess, month or so. Um, but he's down playing with Chile and the news today that came out of Chile as we record this is that um, they're moving on to the second round. Chile has advanced in the world cup qualifiers because uh, the game against Colombia got called off due to COVID uh, not quite sure what the situation was there, but congratulations to Marcelo for moving on to the second round. Uh, he is their starting nine, uh, which well-deserved. And Chile, as a rugby nation, is I, I, they'll get some more recognition here. They almost, in the uh, the South American championship that they had um, last year, kind of during COVID or into the year last year, um, they almost won the entire tournament um, against, against Argentina 15 and Uruguay and 
Colombia and stuff. So it'll be, I think, I think we'll see Chile as, as one of those up and coming nations, kind of like Uruguay. I don't know if they have the depth, they'll have the depth yet, but still solid play all around from them. Nice, yeah. Um, so, uh, with regards to the the England game, um, it's uh, it's looking like, and I haven't seen the full England lineup, but I know that they've got uh, the new captain, uh, Lewis. Is it Lewis Ludlow or Lewis? No, it's Lewis Ludlow who's the Gloucester captain. Yeah. Because um, the Northampton captain is Lewis Ludlum, Ludlum who's played yeah. for England. So Ludlum and Ludlow. So uh, new captain um, who isn't. He's an open side. He's not a big figure. And we were talking about this earlier with the USA picking three number eights in the back row. Um, <laughs> uh, it's also Marcus Smith, the guy, the Harlequins fly half, yeah. rewarded for winning the league with with Quins. He looks like a mildly powerful Pokemon. Yeah. Um, but uh, and uh, he's it's his first cap. Only, so only he... mildly powerful. Like he's like on his <laughs> level. Like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's uh, this isn't. It's not. A case of England thinking, oh, it's only the USA. Um, we we don't, you know, we'll try out combinations and and cap some players. Um, it's long, genuine, long term planning for England, yeah. and there, um, but plenty of opportunity for things to go wrong. Yeah, uh, I, I'm looking forward to the match. I think the USA could cause a lot of problems with Mikey Teo can cause problems for anyone. Yeah. It's a big pack that's being picked for the states. Three eight men. It's either going to work brilliantly, or it might. They might get undone with the lack of a genuine fetcher. Yeah. But in rugby, if in doubt, go for heft. Yeah. Right. I think they're trying to go with the big pack. It's. Um, it, it will. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I don't. I again. I don't know. You know. Obviously, the one thing that we we didn't really touch upon with with the England team is that some of their best players uh, will be in South Africa, on playing with ah. the British and Irish Lions. So that's also this weekend. So you're going to talk about a weekend of international, like, yeah, I think we kick off, uh, is it 11 o'clock local time? I think on Saturday is the first uh, British Lions, British Irish Lions test. What, what about that? Oh, it's not, I don't think it's, it's a warm up game. I don't think it's the first test. Oh, okay. Is it? I, I can remember. Uh, I, I just Houteng saw Lions or something. Oh, okay. I just saw it on the, on the game sheet. So that's right. I don't think it's actually with the spring box. I think you're right. I think it's with the Lions. So. yeah uh so it's full you know guys gonna be so my wife's gonna kill me i'm gonna be in front of the the, the tv all day watching it she i already watched three games yesterday and almost drive her insane so um <laughs> was, it, was, it, was under- it the austin game three times no well, uh, I, I saw that twice actually because i wanted to <laughs> it was so much fun watching the second half there's the uh the the six nations under 20s yeah, tournament yeah. Yeah. um which is like again just amazing entertainment to watch but saturday i will book myself out for to watch sport again yeah, exactly and if you uh if anybody has peacock you can go back and watch probably one of the best english premiership finals uh yeah that was phenomenal uh the last weekend's match between Harlem, between Quinns and, and Exeter was one for the ages. I'm no one could have seen it. Leave it at that. Like no one could have seen it calling. And again, the best post match interview <laughs> you'll ever watch man of the match, Joe Maller. There is a theory that says they only gave him the man of the match because they wanted to see his post-match interview. It was phenomenal. <laughs> it was literally the greatest thing I've ever seen in, in sports broadcasting history uh if he said he was getting interviewed and he kept like asking what like he couldn't hear he's like it's so it's so loud in here he's like just started going off loud noises and he goes i love lamp like 
that's, that's an Anchorman <laughs> reference for anybody who didn't know, but it was it was hysterical. He got lots of praise for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and to be fair, he played Berlin. He was yeah. the no, he uh, was the, 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 match. the sensible uh, steel behind all of the craziness that went on in the backs with you score. Oh, now we'll score on, and now we have to score. Oh, so like, where's the structure? Where's the structure? This is crazy. Is they just scoring points? It wasn't there. It was crazy. I I didn't know what was going to happen in that game. So. This this is what we talk about now. When you have a, a bye week and you don't have anything to preview for this week, um, you know, obviously, a week off. We'll come back again next week. Uh, same, same Austin Rugby Podcast time? Question same mark. Bat time, so, same, same bat time. Same channel. channel. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll be back again, and we'll be able to preview. Yeah, we'll talk and see how the Eagles did um, with our Austin play, with our Austin players, and then talk about Canada, and then we can go from there and preview the big match against the, our our arch nemesis, uh, the the the, the, the Giltinis, um, Fancy and, Dan, West Coast Sunshine Boys, yeah, Sunshine Boys. Uh, as yeah as we get ready to push those last two games and close out the season, the regular season and hopes to continue on to the postseason, oh, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a nail biter. Uh, it's going to be close, but I'm getting ready for it. I heard that through your microphone and that was a good knuckle crack. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> Alex, any last, any last words for, for those listening? Um, be well, be safe, be happy. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Yeah. Everyone, uh, everyone look, uh, be excellent to each be other. Excellent to each other. Very Bill and Ted of you. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, Hey, we do appreciate you guys tuning into the podcast every week. Um, glad you came in last week. We had tons of people last week uh, listen and watch the episode, uh, the live episode we had with Coach Harris. It was a whole lot of fun. We look forward to doing that again. Um, really enjoy covering this with you. We'll continue to cover this season's, all the ins and outs of the season with AG Rugby and what's going on in the Austin Rugby community is sevens. Or, next week we can talk a little sevens because we've had a lot of big things going with the sevens teams here in town and some other big tournaments which is kind of fun uh, as they get ready for national qualifiers here especially the huns have done really well the past two tournaments as always you can follow us on social media on austin rugby supporters and you can also get cool gil groniac gear that all the proceeds go to charity at the rugbyshop.com and you just search austin rugby supporters always fun alex always a pleasure man thanks for coming on again we look forward to chatting with you soon For Alex Kalpa, I'm Dustin Zare, and until next time, we'll see you on the pitch.